Hi folks, I'm Duncan Guild, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor. And welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health, behavioral problems, and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working together for years with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication. Sometimes we just give guidance to parents. And we realize that sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we've got some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and that we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest, most important job in the world, being a parent. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Duncan. How's it going today? It's good. And what are we going to talk about? We're going to do, I think, our second last episode before Christmas. And we got some fun changes coming up after that. <laughs> but um, we've got a topic about learning. Learning. Yeah, I thought we could talk. It occurred to me the other day that something we've never really talked directly about is state-dependent learning. And I don't just mean on our podcast, but I mean in general. You even. and I haven't talked about it, I don't think. Yeah, we haven't talked about it. Um, I don't think I talk about it in parenting group that often. Um, or ever up to this point, but it's actually something we rely a lot on in our program here at Direction, the IOP we run in Nashua, which is essentially like a three hour long group therapy program for kids. So what is state dependent learning? What's your idea of it as a medical doctor? Do you guys cover stuff like that in med school? No. no. I always wonder like what you guys no, do in med school. No, it's not, doesn't that like... No, there really should. There's a lot of topics that we should cover that we don't. You know, I would say probably there's a psychology course that you take, and we probably talked about different kinds of learning to some mm. degree, but they don't spend nearly enough time. Yeah. Um, so stay dependent learning. Let me take a stab at it. Um, like a good doctor. Like a good, <laughs> like a surgeon. <laughs> yeah. Um, stay dependent learning. Uh, probably the fact that we pick up and process information in certain states of mind or states of environment better than others. How's that? It's a good stab. It's a good ah, idea. I got it wrong. <laughs> Might've been the wrong leg of the client, but <laughs> no, but, but it was, it was a leg. Um, cause <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. It's dependent. You're right about it's a state dependent, obviously. Right. So, but it's about being able to recall it in the same like, Oh, so there are probably different states that are easier for people to learn information in. Like when you're not physiologically aroused or overwhelmed, it's easier to learn and take in new information. But the state-dependent learning piece is about when you're in one emotional state and you learn something, it's easier re to recall that material and implement it when you're in a similar state. Gotcha. So that's often why I think something like um, if you're, say you're talking about conflict. We do that a lot. We do that a lot. And that's an okay place to give some information out, but it's a whole nother level of learning and changing behaviors when someone is in a state where they're having the conflict. Cause right. Emotion goes up a little bit when there's conflict, when it's not just you and I talking all happily about stuff. And you implement learning at that point. So for example, um, this is a simpler, we can talk about the kids in a minute, but say a simple thing might be marital counseling. Oftentimes you never want to fight in marital counseling. You, you don't, I don't want to sit there and have my couples fight. You mean during the actual counseling right. session? Right. But you want them to come in with conflict, 
right? right? You want them to talk about conflict. And I, I say, sit down and start talking. And then I jump in when they start to deviate from healthy conflict. Is and that I, usually when it starts to escalate? Yeah, escalate negativity. That's the common pattern, right? That people get into conflict and then say we go back and forth and it gets more negative with each back and forth. And you're five back and forths in and you're like, this sucks. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. So you have you, to step in at some point. Yeah. And you, and at that point, if the couple, you can help the couple and it could even just say like, like be, maybe be like a mom and a child, they're having some sort of conflict. You step in and you can give them a tool such as pause and reflect on how you're feeling or take a deep breath or ask a humble question. One of our favorites when they're in the actual conversation. And so say, how do we use that at direction out back? A lot of times parents are like, what the heck are they doing on like all that time when they're not sitting down in like a traditional talk therapy group, which we, we do get that question a lot. Yeah. Like what are they even doing? Well, what's happening is relationships and authentic events are unfolding and then when things come up, we process process them with the kids in the actual state that they're going to be in outside of here when those things arise. Okay. So if I'm getting this right, I would naturally think that, okay, if you're in a calm space, it's easier to learn. But what you're saying is it's important to learn things while you're in a revved up state as well, because that way you're going to re- almost recall them better. When, when you're in the similarly revved up space. Exactly. When you need them. Hmm. Yeah. And so one thing, so how is that relevant to, or, um, relevant to our podcast? I was thinking, well, if you have a moment today with your kids or something where you, you get revved up, some conflict comes up, pull out a piece of paper about good parenting, which we got to put up on our website so people can pull this parenting program up right? Um, and read about it and use it in that moment. So this is when um, conflict can actually become an opportunity. So if you start, if you have a fight with your kid tonight, great. Pause and implement some of the stuff we've talked about in our in our podcast in that moment. It must be important to set this plan up when you're not upset. That right? so the be- actual planning for the pausing happens before. Is that right? You yeah. Unless you, almost- you can in the moment, but that's hard to do. It is hard to do. And that's why having someone like us tell you on a podcast to do it it can be part of the plan, right? So if you're a parent out there listening and you've been having a lot of conflict with your kids, let's come up with a plan right now that next time you do have some conflict, you know, disagreements or tension about something they want to do, but you don't want them to do whatever it might be, pull out we don't have anything for them to pull out yet, but we're going to put it we're up on our website. We're going to create something for you to pull out for that very situation. And I would think humble questions. That's where we often have people start. Instead of telling your kid what you think, ask them questions to understand their perspective on it more. Right, let's give an example of a humble question. We're going to do a whole uh, podcast play. about this, I think. I don't think Definitely. we've done one yet. Have, we may have done one early on. Um, we'll have to we always enjoy, we, we use the to- We use that uh, concept a lot. But, yeah. Uh, so... Let's give a quick example of what okay. a humble question would be. So, um, I don't know, let's say we're arguing about the car, am I using the car, and increasingly get angry and angry. And it's, um, yeah, if, if you're the kid, right? Okay. And then I'm increasingly tempted to say, um, I don't know. What's the conflict? Is that I want to use the car? You want to use the, let's, let's reverse it so you can do this. Yeah. Okay. So I'll be the kid. Um, okay. So Duncan's now the child. 
I'm the adult. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> um, and you want to use the car, but maybe last time you used the car, it was returned a mess. Right. Ouch. All right. So you want to start? Yeah, give me the keys. Can I have the keys to the car, please? You want to? Oh, you want to borrow the car? Uh, yeah, I want to, Jimmy and I are going to go out. Okay. Um, you know, I, I really want you to be able to go out and hang out with Jimmy. Do you have any ideas to why I might be a little concerned about that today? Okay, just, just to pause here, that's the humble question. Because you might be tempted to say, no, I, you can't. No, you can't. Or you always return it a mess. Right. Or something. But you were actually saying... Uh, do you have any ideas why? Uh, which is great because it makes me have to to pause rather than to jump in and attack you back. Right. I and have to stop and think. Yes, and with the humble question, I also used a little bit of a gentle startup, I guess you could say, in saying I do want you ultimately to do that because oftentimes if we don't use that startup, because I'm letting them know I'm on your team. It's not that I don't want you to be able to do something you want to do. But there are some issues I might have that I want to address. But often we forget to leave out that part that, hey, I'm teamed up with you. And then that puts the other person on defense and that escalates a the negativity. There you go right there. Mm -hmm. So the humble question, I think that's a reasonable illustration. A great way. It's one of the things you can stop and do. Um, when you're in that elevated state, when you get... Um, tension or riled up right because maybe you're super annoyed that your car got returned and he just flippantly asked can i have the keys like no big deal right right and like that could what might be your feeling state in that moment it might not be what your son meant in that moment because he's just being a teenager probably wanting the car so okay let's keep going with the role play yes um so i i had said basically yeah, I definitely want you to be able to use the car. I think that, you know, it probably sounds like something fun to do, but do you have any idea why I might have a little bit of a problem with that right now? No. Oh, okay, fair enough. Last time you went out with Jimmy in the car, I don't know if you noticed, but to me it, it seemed pretty messy. Is Do you recall that at all? No. No? No. Okay. Yeah. It was fine. It was, it was fine. It's always a mess. My car is always a mess? Yes. Okay. You think that when I, like when you borrow the car and you had like it, just me had been using it, that it's a mess? It looks exactly the same. Huh. That's a very different reality than I have. Are you sure? Like in what way? Because, like, and I don't want to get in tit for tat with this at all about it. I'm just curious because last time it seemed to have like a bunch of Chick-fil-A stuff in there. And I know I keep my yoga stuff in the back, but I usually don't just in general, again, maybe a day or two, but after yeah, a bit. That was Jimmy. Jimmy left uh, his Chick-fil-A there. I don't see why that's my problem. I don't know if it has to be a problem. Could, do you think that we could just work together? And if a friend, whoever, you know, if I have a friend in the car, you have a friend in the car, we could just ask them to pick up their trash or sometimes I'll just do it for my friend if it's my car and space. Fine. Can I have the keys? Yeah, definitely. You can, you can use the car. Do you mind just making sure this time that happens? Fine. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. <laughs> and it, one of, uh, a lot of the parents in my parenting group like when I say, and I'd leave it at that. Cause one thing we can do as parents is go on and on. Yes. And teenagers, their bandwidth for conversations 
especially if they were agreeable. Yeah, maybe I'd like him to be more enthusiastic and happy-go-lucky about cleaning my car. But let's be realistic. Take when, what you can get. Take what you you get know out what? of Dodge. <laughs> Which reminds me, one time early, I don't know when it was, but probably sometime over the past four years, you had said one of the things you learned as a parent is sometimes you have to lower your expectations. That's right. Yeah. And I think you can do that in a way without um, losing your values. Compromising, right. Yeah. Yeah. I really think, I think it does speak to compromising and building understanding with your kiddo. Yeah. And so state dependent learning is trying to implement or teaching yourself, and it's helpful if maybe you have a partner or someone else who can, if they notice maybe conflict is arising, or maybe you notice it's arising and you want to take the lead, say, hey guys, I think we're having a little bit of an argument here, and I was wondering if we could try asking each other questions instead. Which is one of the powerful things. So, so essentially, I think what you're saying is uh, states of conflict give you opportunities to practice, yes. right? Which we, we talk about a lot. So every yep. time you're there, you're in a, a space where you can practice skills yep. that, um, and it's more important to practice as when you're in that state, that emotional state. Absolutely. Oftentimes we'll learn things when we're calm, but we never translate them to when we're not calm. Which and is I'd, less useful. Yeah. And that's where um, people don't even really enter recovery a lot, whether it's recovery from addiction or other bad behaviors, because they're not actually implementing it in the place they need it in their life. And so embrace it that if it's hard for you to actually do that implementing when, if you're only thinking about it when you're in a calm state, but try to pull these things out when you're in an elevated state. I think that's one of the strategies in, um, I was reading about SEAL training and that kind of thing. Navy SEAL or yeah, circus Navy SEALs? SEAL training, where you get these guys and you put them in exhausting, horrible, stressful conditions, and then you ask them to perform, because you can teach somebody to do all kinds of things, um, defuse bombs. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, you know the timer doesn't mean anything. So what do they say? You don't rise to the occasion; you fall to your training. Yes. I think that's from the seals as well, which I really, I, um, I have, yeah, I, I have what I don't, it started when I was pregnant with my first son. I got wicked into military stuff. Really? Isn't that weird? I've always been that way, but it, oh, when you, uh, this is after you gave birth. No. Did I was you know pregnant. you were having a boy? I did. I did, but Would it was this a have weird. happened if you were going to have a girl? I don't know. I don't know. It was a weird, yeah. Very interesting. We're going to talk military sometime. Yeah, but I really do. I agree. That's a great example. Yeah, you got to be in the state to learn that stuff. Which is why group therapy can be so useful. Wicked. Particularly group therapy, which isn't too directive. So the type of group therapy we do where there's a lot of space for relationships. Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite kind of group therapy I, when I was training as well. Um, yeah, you had a, a powerful personal experience. And I had a very powerful experience. personal experience with that. Um, uh where you can see people actually get amped up and deal with it there in the group rather than yeah. just talking about getting amped up elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Actually practicing it, living it, being engaged in it. Yeah. It's the gift of either doing family therapy or couples therapy or group therapy. Cause instead of just being a single person talking about something, you're actually practicing it. And being single can not single, like meaning unmarried, but doing individual work can be helpful to some degree. But then you have to 
at some point you have to practice that you have to take that leap from mentally processing to practicing to know and not to do is not to know. It's a good one. Do we know who said that? Joe said it to me, the founder of, you know, the founder of direction and wed. Um, but I don't know, maybe Lao Tzu. I don't know. Lao Tzu. Somebody smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some real philosopher out there. Um, yeah, so, so that's one of the benefits of having, which is why parents will look at group therapy sometimes and say, well, what's really happening? Yeah. Because you're waiting for these opportunities when it's, it's the interpersonal conflict. And usually with individual therapy, it'd be a place to practice if you actually had a therapist who was in conflict with you the whole time. Mm. The problem is that would cause all kinds of other problems. Yeah. Well, and it's a, that oftentimes if you have a therapist, you only leave feeling good from the sessions. Mm. That might be a little bit, I mean. It's a red flag. Can be. Yeah. Because you want to be challenged a little bit. Right. Change your the patterns. The growing edge. What got me thinking about state-dependent learning was recently we had a client here, mid-teenage female. So like, you know, 15-year-old female who had a long history of bullying other girls. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until she went through our program and came face to face with some of those behaviors in group and processed it with us, with the other people while as a whole happening. group while it was happening <laughs> yeah. versus um, I think at school, what they often try to do is completely separate everyone, dole out punishments. Um, you get to leave school for a week, you're suspended, come back and you know, I told you to do something different now, do it. Uh, But we actually, it felt, that was a real, felt really great to have that experience here with that individual because you could see that the ripple effect of that person's life changing is going to change a lot of people's life who meet her. It's true for, and I think we had a little bit of this uh, in the same sort of uh, encounters here is the bullied going through that period of feeling sort of inferior and submissive and uh, taking on that role, but then having a chance in a place like this to, you know, in a, in a state uh, advocate for themselves, advocate for themselves in the same type of situation where they're feeling bullied, scared and bullied. Yeah. And instead of shutting down and avoiding coming to trusted adults who they have faith will help them work it out. Yeah. Very important. Just as important for the other side of the equation. Yep. They both had learning to do to balance out the, the conflict. These yeah. things seem so big when you're a kid, too. It, it's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I love this field is um, I've got, I got to this point and this, some of this stuff seems so small relatively in the scheme of life. Mm-hmm. But when you're a 15, 16, 14-year-old yeah. boy or girl, uh, everything's huge. Yeah, and it's a good reminder, I think, for parents of teenagers or young kids that certain things that were developmentally over seems small because they are small to us because we've inter- we've mastered it already. Right. It's not um, a vast mountain anymore. You know, like it's like the slide when you're little is so big, but then you go back and it's tiny. Yeah, and trying to really handle the situations um, with understanding of how much it really means to them and understanding how much it really does mean to them in the trajectory of a good life for them. Because if they don't resolve how to handle these things in a healthy way, that trajectory isn't great. So it really is a big deal on the big in, in their trajectory in life is how they deal with it. Even though that's not what they're thinking about. No. It's big because it feels big, the context of what they're dealing with. And that can be challenging for people working with teenagers is it's a lot of drama 
right? Like that, people like, oh, I don't, that seem mundane to adults, but. Right. Insignificant. Why don't you just get over it? Yep. Not a good approach to take. No, it won't work. No. Cool. So if you have a conflict with your kid tonight or your partner, we'll talk, embrace it. Humble questions first. We can maybe talk about that. Uh, shortly. Yeah. Maybe one of our next podcasts we could do, uh, we could role play several humble question examples. That'd be fun. Perfect. Victoria, it was great talking to you today. Great talking to you, Dunk. (laughs) Take care, folks. Have a good day. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Is There a Med for That? For more information about our podcast and our clinical work, visit our website at medforthat.com. If you've got questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at contact at medforthat.com. We'd love to answer some of your questions on air. Have a great day.